0: Hi, I'm Lavinia. And I'm Millie. And this is Offbeat on Air. We are on a mission to break our bubble and go beyond the landy borders. We want to connect to the outer world and seek inspiration from different people. People trying to achieve similar goals as ours, but in other circumstances with different skills, tools, and mindsets.
1: Offbeat on Air is here to inspire you. We will learn how scientists solve problems, how professional athletes think of performance, and how surgeons approach the learning process. In a nutshell, in each episode we will connect to great minds in order to infuse new perspectives in our lives as learning professionals. Welcome
0: everyone to another episode of Offbeat On Air with Lavinia and Millie. Hello Millie. Hello, hello. We have a very Interesting guest, I would say. We're going out of anything else we've explored so far. And let me tell you a short story. A couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough to be in Berlin and to visit Blinkist's office. And they invited me over lunch to eat because they have a canteen there. And that's how I also met our guest today. And it's been a wonder exploring his journey. So Ed Leach has been going over so many interesting professions and he's uh, so good at reflecting what he's learned from them and how he got into his current role, which is well-being Specialist and Head Chef at La Cantina at Blinkist. So without further ado... Welcome uh Millie once again to our usual uh, recording and welcome Ed to Off on Air.
2: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: How how was your day so far, Ed?
2: Really, really good. It was super busy. Um I was expecting 40 people and then 65 people came <gasps> oh. and I was I was cooking extra food to order and but everyone was very happy, so it was all good.
0: Good. I was very happy when I was there, so <laughs> I can imagine they were as well. Well, thank you so much for accepting the invite to to talk to us and explore your story with us and share your lessons learned. Because we do try to bring as um, many diverse guests as possible, so we can learn from them in in LND. But before jumping into your current story, I would like to explore, like I say, like your previous lives. Can you tell us a bit about how you started your career and how you landed on cooking, maybe?
2: After school, I went and studied software development for networking. This was, I don't know, 2000, 2001. And it really wasn't my thing. And I went out of it after about six months. I went off and I was just went went working around the place. And then a couple of years later, I went back to another school and I started studying graphic design and uh, design for print media. And that was really, really good. And after about two and a half years of doing that, I realized I wanted to do something more tangible, something that I could really touch. So a friend of mine was like, hey, why don't you come and be a plumber with me? And I said, sure. OK, I'll, <laughs> I'll go and become a plumber. Sounds great. Because the idea was, you know, you could really help people and you could really, um, there was something very tangible at the end of it. You would see what you were doing. So I went and I worked with Sean for about five and a half years during boom time of construction in Ireland, a time called the Celtic Tiger. And there was construction everywhere. And then around 2008, um, things really started to slow down. And I was mixing with people from all over Europe. And all over the world at the time, because I was doing a lot of salsa dancing. And we would we would meet up and we would dance. And then there would be like, we'd have dinners together and we'd do things. And I realized I was actually pretty, pretty good at cooking. I was cooking really nice food and everyone seemed to like it. And I was like, ah, that's, that's cool. Nice. And then one day I was thinking it would be really great to go traveling around the world. So um, I thought I'll become a barman and I'll go and mix cocktails and I'll go traveling around the world so i went onto the irish tourist board website and i I found this bar studies course but then next to it i saw a total immersion chefing course and i said hey hey, that sounds cool i was like i like cooking and i want to go and live in galway why not because i'm from cork which is in the south of ireland and galway which is this fantastic tourist town on the west coast of ireland i was like that would be cool to go and live there so i applied for the course and then i said Well, I don't really, I've never worked in a restaurant, so maybe I should go and learn. So in the interim, I applied to a restaurant in Cork called Café Paradiso to do a stage, which is an internship, effectively, Mm -hmm. for a month or six weeks. And while I was there, I met a fantastic cook, and she said, why don't you come and cook for, or be my kitchen porter down in West Cork for for the summer? So I still had not gone to university or college yet mm-hmm. or anything like that. I was just learning the, the the basics like chopping and cutting and how to wash dishes and how to just graft in the kitchen. So I went down to West Cork and pretty much everything we cooked in that kitchen came from the garden belonging to the house where we were cooking. It's a place called Glebe House in Baltimore in West Cork. Beautiful, beautiful outside area for eating, beautiful indoor area. And the gardens were just amazing. And from there... I gained a real appreciation for fantastic ingredients and i was learning from from this this cook who was coming from a very strong traditional italian cooking background where the focus is always like simplicity and great ingredients off the school then i went up to, to galway and did my thing and i was working again in galway with a fantastic cook uh where we would do 50 mile 50 kilometer menus and we would change the menu every day. It was just a printed menu every day. Or we would sometimes just handwrite it on a board and you would just come in and get what we had. So it was like super creative, super thoughtful. And then I was like, okay, cool. Galway was great. They call it the black hole of ambition because you go there and you don't want to leave. So I went to Galway for nine months, whereby I was in college for five days a week working. You had to have a job at the same time as college, working five days a week, six days a week sometimes. And then um, I was meant to stay there for nine months and I stayed for three years.
0: It's mm. <laughs> very hard to leave. It happened for you as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, everyone. It's so hard. You go there for a week and you stay for a month. You know, it's just how it is. And then I was like, okay, I really like to, to go to London and, and try my hand over there. So first I went over and I did some stages. Again, just to, like, have a look around, I did a stage in the River Cafe, and then I did a stage in Moro, which is this fantastic uh, restaurant in London that they do food of kind of Moorish influence or anywhere touched by Moorish influence. It's great food. And then finally, I ended up getting a job in this um, really, really fantastic restaurant under a guy called Stevie Parle called The Dock Kitchen, which I don't think exists anymore, but he has other ventures and he does other things, does other restaurants. He's still a fantastic cook but there was a real focus on really well-executed world food. So again, like learning loads about spices, learning loads about how to do world food properly, how to do food from all different cultures. I've been cooking at that stage for, yeah, three and a half, four years. And I started quite late in the game. I was 27 when I started university or college, I mean, and I was about 30, 31. And I was like, you know, I'm getting a bit sick of working in restaurants and the late nights and all the stuff. I think I'm going to go and try and work on super yachts. And I was doing that for a while. And then villa work started coming up where uh, guests would contact me, former guests. And they would say, hey, um, we're, we're going to go and stay in, in uh, I don't know, Saint-Tropez. And will you come and cook for us for six weeks? So I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> you go off and you do that. And I was doing all that. And then in between all of these mad jobs, I started traveling you know, around to, to various places in Asia or South America or Central America and just picking up bits and pieces as I went, going and literally just eating loads of good food and asking people what they were doing and what was what and looking at ingredients. And and then along my travels, um, I, I'd been doing a villa job and I was I was on my way home and I asked them to fly me to India. So we were working, this is now 2000, where are we, 16 or so, 15. 2015 or so and um we were working in a villa in bali and my then fiance got pregnant we we're like oh man what are we gonna do <laughs> like <laughs> we can't be traveling around no we can't do this anymore i was like okay let's let's like let's move to la palma so we tried la palma didn't work out we we're like <laughs> okay she's now five months pregnant i'm like all right maybe we can go and do some like private cooking in paris and do some stuff so we moved to paris um it was very very hard because we were effectively by ourselves. We had no mm-hmm. family, no friends, and a small baby in a big big city. And my wife's a Berliner, and we said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna try move to Berlin." So off we went to Berlin, and I started in Berlin with uh, at zero because I had no contacts here. I knew nobody, knew nothing, and I started working in a restaurant. And I'd been out of restaurants at this stage four or five years, and I wasn't I wasn't up to it anymore. I I'd I'd been sleeping sometimes for an hour or two hours a night with a baby, and it just wasn't it wasn't a thing. I, I wasn't fast, I wasn't good, so I started looking for catering work. And I started I, I started working weeks with this guy called uh, not it was this guy with this company called Beats and Roots uh, in Berlin, great catering company. And um, I was working there doing my thing and daytime hours, all going good. And then um, the opportunity came up to run my own kitchen somewhere else. So I go across and I'm working in this other kitchen and it's going great. And I I texted the owner of Beats and Roots, um, a, a supplier, name contact, and he was like, "Yeah, here's the contact. And would you would you like to hear about a cool job?" And I was like, "Of course <laughs> I want to hear about a cool job. I always want to hear about." Who doesn't? Job. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, he told me about Blinkist and I was like, "Yeah, okay, fine. I've just started in this other job. I'm not going to do it." So I put it away and I didn't think about it. And then about three weeks or a month later, it all started to become quite pedestrian what I was doing in this other kitchen. I was like, huh, maybe I should give that blink a, a, a try. See if it's still there. <laughs> so I gave a call and uh, I got through, or I didn't give a call, sorry, I emailed and I got a response from our uh, shared contact. who We were still, mm-hmm. were still working there, Deb. And Deb was like, yeah, great, come come along and, and let's have a thing. And uh, yeah, I went and I did this mad trial there in this tiny kitchen that was there at the time with this like old Ikea knife because I, I I just assumed they would have knives for some reason <laughs> and I started working setting up the kitchen and you know buying all the do, doing the whole initial setup of the kitchen and all the stuff and posed the the concept for La Cantina.
0: We've heard a lot of exploring and we've heard a lot about not settling for something where i do, i'm not feeling comfortable can you tell us a bit about what guided you to finally discovering a place and a job where you felt you you could do what what you wanted
2: yeah um thanks it's that's a, that's a great question i'm really creative And when I was plumbing, it was great because I could, I I used to make these mad sculptures out of um, copper pipe and all the bits of leftover pipe and all the plumbing fittings. And I, I had all these cool tools that I could make things with. So that really like satisfied that urge to make something. What happened with cooking was it felt like you could hit every sense at the same time. You could hit like taste, smell, touch, feel, you know. And on top of that, it's a very immediate feedback as an art form, it's a really immediate feedback. I mean, second only to like singing, which, you know, you can affect huge groups of people immediately. Whereas with with, with cooking, you really can see how it goes. So I kind of felt that it dragged in all of the interest that I had, because I love doing physical things, but I also love sight and sound. And I, I, you know, I love music. There's always like good music playing and all this kind of stuff. So And then after that, it was like with work, I never wanted to kind of settle for something I didn't want to do because I'm just I'm very aware of my own mortality. I just what's the point? You know, if you're not happy doing something, then change, do something else, you know. And that's hugely so in the world of yachting where you can't get away from people. If you are working with a crew of 10 people on a boat and the boat's 40 meters long, that's as far as you can get away from someone. So if you don't get along, the best thing to do is to walk. And I kind of brought that approach into life where if it's not right I just I just I don't even think about it I just change and yeah it's I I think it's very it it sounds really selfish but actually quite healthy you know
1: yeah I I actually love that I would never say selfish for it I think you're very self-aware as well like you know what suits you also you know where you will thrive best where you can you know be the best version of yourself or where you are and maybe I can touch a little bit because your context's changed quite a lot right you first were you know in the construction that's completely one universe um you were then in the kitchen that is like maybe we will tackle that environment uh, that also brings quite a lot of different impulses then we we're on the boat <laughs> i'm already claustrophobic just thinking about it <laughs> and then you were in villa could you reflect on how different contexts shaped your craft today
2: yeah brilliant um so from construction, you, you got really used to just like physically like hard work that just, you just keep doing and you don't fit, you don't stop until it's done. You know, you get to, you, you, you have a point and you have to get there and then you keep going till it's done and you work. And that work ethic helped me into a kitchen where you would be standing sometimes for you know, 14, 16 hours a day and you're just working, working, working. And oddly enough, that crazy hard work ethic from kitchens and construction were a lifesaver when it came to working on yachts because you would be doing you would be doing charter work on a yacht and you can get called at any hour of the night to go and cook someone a, a poached egg, you know oh, wow. um, If someone wants a hamburger at three in the morning, you got to get up out of bed and make the hamburger at three <laughs> in the morning you know what I mean And it you know it's it's their prerogative they're, they're paying a huge amount of money to rent the boat. There's massive tips involved. Everyone's very happy to to keep the guests happy. It's five-star service, you know? So that kind of like work ethic from those two really, really brought me through. But then while you're on yachts, you're stopping anywhere random and you're getting into a speedboat and you're going on to whichever little mad town you can find buying ingredients. And then you just really have to get super creative, right? So I remember once making um, a tomato salad, but I made it completely with peaches. So, I was doing this like really cool peach salad with all these lovely different types of peaches that I found, and like feta and mozzarella and bits. And the guests loved it. like, and that was totally a spontaneous thing that was just, I found peaches. We're having peaches. You know what I mean? <laughs> this like ridiculous creativity comes all the way back from cooking, but then it it goes back back to the old experiences, but then carries forward into the new yeah. because imagine I have been cooking at Blinkist for five years and that's a captive audience so I cook for the same people every day and I have done for five years so I've got to keep reinventing the wheel with the yeah. food right it has to be interesting otherwise people are going to go like oh great it's spaghetti again thanks <laughs> you know so all of those different things have informed each other
1: yeah that's beautiful and and you know you think oh, you had some random places, but they fed into each other to to, to definitely. And that's always like when you reflect on your journey It in the moment, it doesn't really always feel like, you know, that there's a lot of sense, at least in my case as well. But like looking yeah. back, everything kind of played a role and that's beautiful. Um, and maybe when we talk about also like what what brought you where you are, um, when we were first met and you walked us now also through the story, you work with some high class people who were already, you know, paving the path, very established, and you were literally next to them. Can we look at that specific moments where you're learning from them by observing? How was that? What helped you actually get that uh, input from them? What helped you also uh, sharpen your craft? How how does it look like in kitchen? How does the learning happen in kitchen when you're just starting your career?
0: This episode is brought to you by Sana. Sana is the home for all your company's learning. It's where your teams can easily create and share knowledge, learn alone or in live groups, and get answers to any questions thanks to a little help from ai it's also where lnd saves tons of manual admin hours through smart automations and analytics learn more at slash offbeat
2: you you do as you're told and you you look around as you're doing it so you you, you put trust into the person who's who's giving you the direction it's mm-hmm. very regimented mm-hmm. and, and for good reason And there, of course, there, you know, you go to kitchens where you can add things and do stuff, but there's a reason why they're asking you to do something a certain way. And repetition of those things at the start, you just repeat and repeat. And then while you're doing all the repetitive stuff that they're asking you to do, you learn how to chop and cut things without looking at what you're doing. And then while you're cutting things, then you start looking around the kitchen. And I do these internships in Blinkist where people can come down and they can learn. And I always teach knife skills to me. And I eventually show them how they can cut without looking. And and as you are cutting, you look around and you're picking stuff up. And then it's literally through osmosis and from these fantastic cooks who are around you. You're just talking about food. You're breathing food. You're speaking with the sommeliers. You're speaking with um, the head chef. You're you're watching what they do. You're listening to conversations that the head chef's having with guests. And you're looking Mm -hmm. all around and just taking in all this information. And what I found with, with cooking was, was I always tried to, and, and I think this extends to life really, I always tried to pick roles that were, were great. I always tried to pick great restaurants. And I always kind of think of it like films, you, you know, actors who pick good movies to act in. And I always tried to pick a good movie or a good restaurant to act in. So I would go there and I would check it out. I would eat there. I would see how the vibe was. I would see how I felt about it. And... And it really stood to me that I worked under some really fantastic people. And I was so lucky with who I yeah. worked for and what I learned from them just by watching and talking.
1: And you introduced very interesting concept because you also trusted them enough. Right. And what would you say? Like what is that breaks or makes that trust? Is it something, you know, because we also in organizations, you have these managers, you have leaders and they play a crucial role in the team. So what is the parallel that you could see in the head chef in the kitchen and a good manager in a way? Like what are the things that you notice? All right. Yeah. I trust this uh, person. Some small things. Skill.
2: Mm, Skill. Skill. Also like I had some head chefs who I didn't, you know, I didn't think were fantastic. And there was a skill and a respect that even if they were a great cook, but they were, you know, they weren't really the nicest person to work with. You you could, on their skill, follow them if if they, you know, as well if they were personable afterwards. I mean, it, I, there's a thing in restaurants we always kind of shake everyone's hand at the end of service because what happened during service it's all over now, and let's have a beer and it's all good. <laughs> That's interesting. That's the heat of the moment, right? It's like you go and you shake everyone's hand at the end and it's done, you know, because it's it's like going to war a little bit with with the people around. The yeah, the parallels are definitely it's it it's the it's the same. It's it's charisma. It's mm-hmm. um skill, respect, truth like you you know if the head chef is is not who he says he is or says she is you know if they're not as good as they say they are mm-hmm. and it, it goes really quickly if they start to lie about what they're doing if they start to to, to give you know falsehoods then it's mm-hmm. the trust is gone. so it's it's very much the same. all the same mm-hmm. um, attributes shine through mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, let's go back to La Cantina because I remember when I didn't have any expectations, to be honest, but when I got there, the first thing that I noticed was that the food was healthy. And I would like to ask you, how did you come up with the, the not necessarily the menu because you did say you're changing it constantly, but the concept. And why did you pick that type of food? concept
2: came about... While I was travelling around, I started to have less and less interest in eating meat and less and less interest in cooking meat. On yachts and on boats, I was going in and um, seeing vast quantities of meat. Now people love it, and that's fine; like that's their own thing. But for me, it was too much, and I, I just kept seeing all these vast quantities of meat. And you know, I would be killing lobsters and killing crabs and killing all of these things. And I'll never forget. I was in Greece and. Um, I was doing a villa in Greece and I remember I went to this this farm and I picked this lamb and I was like I'll have that one and that poor lamb was was killed and given to me the next day and I, I felt so bad about it I, I can't I don't want to do this you know so while I was working in restaurants in Berlin and such like that I was putting my hands into like kilos and kilos of chicken breast and like making burgers with 25 kilos of beef and I thought I don't wanna, I really don't want to do that anymore. So I was like, wouldn't it be lovely to have this plant-based concept going? So when it came time and I was I was kind of pitching my concept for La Cantina, I said, listen, let's let's do a plant-focused, plant-based canteen. That way everyone is like satiated, but not digesting meat the whole afternoon. They're energized, they're feeling good, and they're lighter. They will, from 100 people, that's 100 people eating per day, five days a week, that won't be eating meat. So you'll actually have like a good mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. On, on meat eating over the, over the year. You can recycle and reuse food far more when it's vegetarian or plant-based than, um, than when you're dealing with meat. Like You can, of course, reuse meat and, and bits and pieces, but just easier and less complicated with vegetables. And then the cost—it's so cost-effective to run mm-hmm. a plant-based kitchen. Um, now people can kind of, um, you know, add on bits and pieces of mm-hmm. uh, egg or feta and things like that. They're still there, but the the base is always vegan. To be honest with you, it starts vegan, and then it can be made vegetarian and onwards. Sometimes I do meat. Like I think I've done meat six times in the last five years. So yeah, that was the concept, and it was all—it was this kind of holistic approach of. Good energy, impact. Good cost.
0: Yeah, very interesting because I'm well, I'm hearing this concept of you know you you're impacting the planet, then you're impacting the people because they are eating healthier. They're gonna be healthy, but you know you are still working in a an organization, so you're also impacting the organization because you are keeping the the and the energy of the employees high so um that's super super interesting
1: yeah and i think you know touch this uh, this you work uh with people and you give them food uh, and they're in the workplace so what is the source of feedback that you're getting like what does it that tell you because you have a business you have employees and of course, you have your personal choice, how you approach the cooking. So what are the bits and pieces of pieces of the feedback that you get that kind of informs what's on the menu next and, and accept happy people smiling while they're eating, I, I assume?
2: <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so lucky. Um, it's a complimentary canteen. Mm-hmm. So the people just come in and all I get is gratitude. Aww. It's it's one of the, the, the very best things about my work is that it's just I get just so much gratitude from people. People are so happy um, with the food and, and with this the style of service and all the tables kind of are turned at a, a T to each other so they all are in contact with each other. So all different groups are are mingling all the time. It's a real it's a real heart, it's a real center of of, of Blinkist that people can you know really communicate with each other there feedback wise, like what informs the menu is Quite often, what I have, and how I'm going to use it up, or or as I like, <laughs> like how I actually say is how I'm going to get rid of it. Like, how am I going to get rid of this thing? And it's like this mad panic of like, what am I going to do with all of these um, uh, turnips? I've got to figure something out quick, you know. Um, but then the, the the bigger side is, it's almost like a, a, a DJ reading the crowd or feeling the vibe. Mm-hmm. And I. I kind of do it for myself as well as like how I feel in a day. So I get up and you know, if it's like really dreary and really thin, you want that lovely comforting food, right? You want this kind of a cuddle. You want something nice and you might want some pasta. You know what I mean? You want, you might want something like that. And so often I I cook something and someone goes, man, how did you know? That's exactly what I wanted today. Right? Like, Oh my, I was thinking about pasta. Like, dude, so cool. (laughs) And, and that's what it is. It's, It's really like how you you're feeling on the day. And, and, also, what day of the week it is kind of changes things. Like you can really surprise someone just by putting out really nice pizza on a Tuesday, you know? Like not that it's pizza Friday. It's just like on a Tuesday, it's like bang pizza. Surprise. And everyone's like, oh my God, that's so cool. You know, kind of like keeping people on their toes as well, like to try and keep the this delight factor going as well. Um, so those, those are all kind of, yeah. And then the seasons, of course, like where we are in the year, yeah, like true. what ingredients are available. I, I try to keep things... Of course, some things are coming from further away, but mostly I try and keep things fairly seasonal to what I have in Berlin. You know, yeah. people's birthdays might come up, events happen. Uh, if I do an internship with someone and they're like, "Yeah, can we do Mexican? Like anything from Mexico today?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool." Or you know, or can we do like uh, what was the last one we did? We did like um, this this Polish holiday, Fat Fat Thursday, where we were doing these wicked donuts
1: and donuts. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all of these kind of all of these things inform the menu, you know?
1: Yeah, that's great. That's I mean, I love that you are really keeping all your, how do you say, senses open, right? Like what people say, how they look. Like it's really um, also how you look. So it's the big combination of all of it. And I think that's something that we should also get inspired with because I think we work with people and we often forget that they bring all the senses um to to work you know so we usually as as you know learning and development we focus on this intellectual and brain and stuff but people have stomachs and they are hungry and they need some you know more loving and all of that so i think it's nice that your role really encompasses all of it
0: okay so there's one question that we ask all our guests So just like Millie was recapping, we work with people. We are trying to support them and our organizations in thriving. If you look at all your experience and your experience working at Blinkist, is there a short advice you would give us as learning and development professionals?
2: I, most of the time, don't know what job people do. Now, that's going to obviously be very hard for people in L&D but I uh, approach them as people. I, I have a, I have a rapport with nearly everyone in that company. Some kind of conversation that might be 15 seconds long, 20 seconds long. I'll have running conversations with people whereby they'll just come to, to get their bits. It's all self-service, but they'll come to get their bits and pieces and we will continue a conversation that we've been having for months. <laughs> um, it's I think it's super important to, to really connect with the person and try and... I mean, you don't have to be completely informal. You don't have to be their best friend ever, but mm-hmm. to really understand them, to to meet them as as real people. It's super important that we, we kind of, we're almost for not forgetting that people are real in front of us, but we do so much online that there's kind of a disconnect even mm-hmm. with people that are standing in front of us. And so I, I love that. I love talking uh, and being very real with people in front of me
0: that's lovely <laughs> thank that's you wonderful. so much and thank you ed, for taking the time
1: Um uh, and yeah for for teaching us a bit about your work
2: thanks a million it was it was a really great experience thanks so much for having me
1: yeah this was lovely thank you from my side ed and yeah since i'm also in berlin i definitely want to you know, see your cooking and what's <laughs> on the menu. One day, um, it seems you know you you have such a diverse and rich experience. So I'm sure, um, yeah, experiencing that would be amazing. So, thank you for your time.
2: Uh, you're all you're very welcome, and you're always invited. So please do come whenever you want.
1: Thank you so much for listening to our latest
0: episode. We hope you learned as much as we did and that you took this as a gentle nudge to reflect on which of Ed's practices you can adopt in your work as a learning and development professional or in your career development approach. If you're looking for more resources, go ahead and subscribe to our newsletter or join us in the Offbeat Fellowship. Create a happy day and never stop learning.